Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, go. Okay. Give me this. Three, two, one, when you're on. Hello, and welcome to the Giselle Coy Show. I'm your host, Giselle Coy, and I will be doing a show today called Mother Interviews Daughter, Healing Generation. But before I dive into that super delicious topic that's going to touch everyone, let me tell you about my show really quick. My show is called Lifestyles of the New Golden Age. Okay, what does that mean? It means bringing forth everything that is a part of what some historians call the new seventh golden age on earth. And that's where we reach a state of consciousness, where things are getting better. Some people can use the word moving into 5D, but let's just keep it really simple. It's actually a world where things are returning back to wonderfulness and awesomeness. Think of ancient Egypt, ancient Greece. These were golden civilizations when mankind was thriving. It wasn't like all those years of the medieval times with the potato farmers dying from plague. That would not be a golden age. But a golden age would be the times when, when mankind and life was golden. And so it is my personal belief that we're returning to one right now, and it is all snapping together and falling into place even as we speak. And so many things are available to us now of a higher vibration, of a higher way of living. There's so much information. I would say mankind is flourishing. And with that comes all these new breakthroughs in our lives. So I dedicate my show to everything that brings in a reflection of this new golden age. It could be a cultural item. It could be personal relationship. It could be a spiritual item. It could be fashion. It could be beauty. It's the entire culmination of what makes civilization and mankind. Oh, and don't forget architecture, artwork, etc. So, with that in mind for my introduction, I personally consider myself an ascension agent and also a high vibe advocate. And so, as I'm moving deeper into my own experience and my own journey, I like using the word high vibe advocate because what that means is I'm not taking a stance in any camp, the spiritual camp, the this, the that, the whatever camp, I'm in the camp of the higher vibration, the higher dimension, the higher existence. And I like speaking about those things which support that. That could be a product, a piece of news, a practice, an experience, something that happens, anything that comes up that raises or elevates us. And so I like the word advocate. I like to continue to speak about it. And I also like to just open source information. It could be a product, a movie, a book. I love the fact of someone standing up who's not getting paid to promote a product and get their, or a practice or whatever, and but truly from their experience are promoting that. Because you know what? Every one of us is an advocate for something. Every time we open our mouth, we're speaking for something or against something. We just don't really realize it. But when you tune into that, we're all advocating or rejecting things at all times. So I'm 
really for the advocation of the higher things in life. <clears throat> so that's my introduction. Thank you for listening today. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. I'm here in Sedona, Arizona. My fabulous guest is in Austin, Texas, who I'll bring on in a moment. And it's just a wonderful day, so I can't think of a better day than to do this. So ready? Let's get going. Okay, I'm going to begin my show now. And once again, the title of it is Mother Interviews Daughter, Healing Generations. And before I introduce my daughter, I would like to go ahead and give an introduction of her. She is a student at the University of Texas. She is studying gender studies. Um, she has actually her own radio show, ironically enough, and there's actually, she has two shows. One is called That's What She Said, and the other one is Gotta Know Your Labels. They're both music shows, and when I bring her on in a few minutes, <clears throat> I'll, I'll let her tell us more about it. She also is a musician and a writer and a performance artist in the making. So before I bring out her, let me go ahead and introduce the whole reason why this show got started. Okay, so the other day, I picked up a book, and it's called Bold, B-O-L-D. It's by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler. This is not the kind of book I would normally read because it says, How to Go Big, Create Wealth, and Impact the World, from the New York Times Best-Selling Authors of Abundance, A Guide to Exponential Digital Hootsbuck, from, from a Master of the Art of Going Big, Okay, yeah, maybe it is the kind of book I would pick up, but I pick it up, and it's really kind of like, say you're an executive in modern-day America, and you're like, you need somebody to brief you. Like, you, you, say you contact your artificial intelligence guy named Jarvis. You're like, Jarvis, give me the download of modern technology, 2016, uh, Planet Earth. Okay, that's what this book would be. It's like an incredible briefing of where we are, humankind, in our evolution, technologically speaking. And this has actually come from a capitalist point of view because it's all about making money, et cetera. So these guys have obviously done well. Stephen Kotler um, is a best-selling author, and he's also the director of research for the Flow Genome Project. And Peter <clears throat> is the founder of many high-tech companies. He also founded, he co-founded Singularity University in 2014. So these guys know what they're talking about, and I've been fascinated just to educate myself. One of the principles of the book is, I'm, getting, I'm actually getting somewhere with this, one of the principles of the book is the concept of exponentiality, my things going exponential. And that, that thing has come up in our lives before when we think about like when a, when a video, video goes viral, that's, that's exponential growth. So it's really like hyper growth. And they describe it as old days of manufacturing business. Growth occurred one, two, three, four, in linear fashion. Well, because of the advent of technology and where we are, it doesn't grow like that always now. Now it can actually grow exponentially, meaning something can go from one, two, four, eight, sixteen. So it can, with the turn of a hat, be into the billions. And so what they try to do is capture what it is that makes exponentiality in this book. So I've been breaking that down. And I took that thought and I went, you know what? Consciousness is also part of this whole big picture. And what if consciousness is following exponentiality? And when I had that thought, something happened with my daughter that made me think, you know what? It begs the question, is healing 
and consciousness on an exponential curve as well. And I believe that it is that it is because of what is happening and what I'm viewing. And that's the whole motivation for this radio show to share that. And maybe you're seeing it in your life too because it's pretty exciting. This means really big stuff. It's like we're not even growing in leaps and bounds. We're growing in these these jumps that have never even been recorded in the history. It's such, it's such an accelerated rate of change. So the whole thing that started this whole radio show today was a conversation I had with my daughter, Lana Power. And isn't that a perfect name for her? Yes. Anyway, this is how it went down. She had been looking at a book of baby pictures of herself. And um, she called me. We had a conversation. I'm like, oh, how was that? You know, I told my mom, like, wasn't that so cute? Anyway, that's not the answer I got. The answer I got was, oh, my God, I was sobbing, Mom. I had to go home and be comforted by a friend who cuddled me while I told the story of how sad that made me. I'm like, what? What in the world? I said, listen, I need a I need phone appointment with you because I need to know what happened, how that could happen, and what that was. And so on that note, I would like to bring Miss Lana Power, exquisite change agent of the world, and also Clinton Millie, my daughter, onto the show. Lana, are you there? Hello, I'm here. Hi, how are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. So you might want to raise your voices a little bit. Okay. Dialing in our voices. So, Lena, I would like to start with, with that introduction. I'm sure you were listening. Um, can you just tell me why the sobbing, and then let's go from there, because I think it's fascinating. It's going to take us somewhere that we want to go today. Yeah. So basically what happened when I looked at those photos, it wasn't necessarily that I felt a sadness towards looking at them. It was more of I felt like I was seeing beyond this veil of of kind of understanding my childhood from a very topical perspective. Like, oh, here I am as a baby with my parents. Look how young they look. I saw beyond this veil of kind of what um, my experience psychologically as that baby was. Uh, and there were certain moments where I was looking at photos of me looking into your eyes as a new, like a fresh new babe. And it was almost as if I transported back into the consciousness of myself at that age and saw your eyes at that moment and I could feel I could feel the energy of that moment of both of our lives when I was like not even a year old and I think it was a process of me realizing that what my creation of my perception of the world was in this this moment okay let me interrupt for a second because we're going to there's a lot in there that you just said. So first of all, have you had memories before of being um, in the uterus or birth? or Have you had memories of being one before, mm. one-year-old, meaning not one with the universe? I think maybe I've been able to mentally brush up against that feeling, but I haven't had a complete, like, immersion before. So, so that's what made this different, looking at that photo this time just took you there to that place. It was it was a recollection of that moment in my life where I had just I had just freshly come from the one. 
and mm. I was and I was starting to create new memories and I was starting to kind of like formulate a structure of how this this lifetime was going to go and it was all being created from the eye contact I was making with you and from all of the sights that I was seeing that I also saw in these photos the other day. So you were going to begin your human experience. Yes. That was the beginning of your known conscious human experience. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So let me ask you this. Knowing that you were at that choice point of, okay, here I'm creating this human experience, did you have any sense of before you came in that you created this experience or you designed this experience? No, no, that wasn't really kind of the revelation I had. It was it was more of a of a heaviness of kind of seeing my family for and seeing my experience in this lifetime for what it was and seeing it as an adult from a completely new perspective. Okay, so what did you see in my eyes when you looked in my eyes? I think the photo that really actually kind of got me the most, the one that I, I looked at for two seconds and immediately started sobbing, and I, I haven't cried in a very long time, and I just immediately broke down in tears, was a photo of you and my father and my brother and I when I was uh, probably not even a few months old because I I had never really seen a photo of, of us all together at that age, and I rarely ever see photos of us together at all uh, because of, of the divorce when I was, I think, five. And I could I could honestly feel the the trauma and the fear that was in this moment of everyone's lives and i don't mean this for the for you to take this in the wrong way because i don't have any hard feelings about um like the past um but i do think that um the moment i was born into was kind of one of of pain and trauma and i think any parent would have that with a new baby especially of like this you have this new creature that you are completely responsible for and I think everybody has a little bit of fear about that well yes there's many levels of trauma but let's go back to go back to this one so um feeling that sadness looking in my eyes and and feeling did you say you saw pain in my eyes no um what did you see in my eyes tell me again it was it was I'm fear going back to it also it was fear fear you know what and I can look back and totally see that. And it's a little painful, but I can look back and go to that place where, yes, on just on the superficial level, it's like, oh, my God, here's a new baby. There's like, I hope I do a good enough job. There's all those, you know, typical paternal fears, possibly. There's also, there's also other fears that I think that you were tapping into that I'm sure were there. I would consider myself at that time, <clears throat> I wouldn't consider, have considered myself an awakened being at that time, um, not to put a value judgment on it, but I consider myself more conscious now, these days. And so I also, which the audience doesn't really need to know, or that I will allude to, there were some things that happened during my pregnancy that did cause some suffering. And I think that maybe you might have picked that up while I was pregnant and then saw that reflected in my eyes. And it was just, it was really, I don't want to create this, this scary thing, but it was just an incident that happened, part of the human condition that created some sadness in my life, without going into any details because we want to protect the innocent here. But um, I think that you were probably tapping into that, and I look back and it's kind of like I own that, and you were right. And so I can see how a construct was created. So here you are. I'm the mom. I'm feeding you basically your reality. 
look in my eyes. I'm going to be in, totally in charge of this organism known as you, and I'm going to feed you my version of reality. And so you were eating it as, you know, like a little bird sitting in a nest, and I was feeding you my version of consciousness, which was probably fear-based, probably who knows what. And I think it's really fascinating that you've isolated that and seen that as a threat of energy in your life, almost as an anxiety that you've had to get over. And I'm not saying this is a horrible thing. This is probably very, very common. But the fact that you've identified this fascinates me. Tell me more. Yeah, I think as an adult, knowing about the experience that you had with my pregnancy and also having put so much energy into being a self-aware person who kind of understands my existential anxieties and who at least attempts to understand what's going on with myself psychologically and spiritually, I think self-awareness is like one of the most important characteristics a person can strive for. Being an adult and having had all the experiences I've had in my 21 years and then revisiting this psychological moment where I am being fed a reality, reality. yeah. Um, it was, it wasn't sadness. It was just heaviness, almost heaviness and being so confronted with that, which I've been trying to kind of, um, heal from myself and, and, and get away from. And I see it almost like, like disconnecting from source, fully entering into this dimension as someone here to participate in the human experience. Hmm. It's kind of, I can see it kind of from that point of view, but I want to, I want to touch on something here. And this is the, the idea of exponentiality. So check this out. My grandmother and my great grandmother and my grandmother probably had a very similar relationship as my grandmother and my mother. Not much change between those generations that I see. I mean, they, they both lived on a farm. They worked hard. They're, their physical reality was very similar, and probably their existence was probably not that different. Okay, then jump to from my mother to me, and I see, like, a huge break. Like, our realities are so different, and what what was available to me as far as learning, growing, being, being a member of the human race versus her was so different. I had so much more freedom. So, like, it was an exponential jump in freedom, choice lifestyle, everything. And then now we go from me to you, and I see an even greater exponential jump because here you are as a babe in the woods already figuring all this out. And I'm like, that's an exponential healing, generationally speaking. Would you agree? Yes, I would. And I and I would say that I have noticed a type of exist, exponential growth w- amongst people of my generation in the sense that I noticed this in school and in classes that there's so much more of a willingness and an awareness to the topics that we're talking about now, to psychological issues and to social justice issues in which people haven't been incentivized historically to kind of care about. Uh, There's like an exponential awareness that's growing amongst people of my generation, which is kind of creating a change in the world, I think. Well, also I'm noticing, I mean, I think there's several themes that I'm seeing with you and your age group. And I don't know if it's you in particular or all the millennials, and I don't want to label you as a millennial, but you are one, being born. Are you a millennial? Yeah, I don't are. really know. I was born in 95, whatever I am. I'm 21. That's close enough. Yeah. Okay. So um, what I'm seeing is, this is what fascinates me, is your your experience is more... It's more um, transpersonal. 
like I hear you talk a lot about instead of just your gain, your growth, your this. Like you talk about the culture, the community. You kind of are more inclusive with all kinds of things, and I think I'm very impressed with that because going from the personal to the transpersonal is like one of the signs of a more advanced being, and I see that in you. And I also, I'm just going to say to the audience right now, I see you as a very awake being. And I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I would love to ask you, if you before we go into all these other areas of culture, community, and family, um, I would like to ask you if you would like to share briefly your story of awakening. I, I want to go back to something about the photos really quickly. Okay. Um, so, and this is going to touch on, on the, the community and, other, and otherwise, but I would like to get this out. I think what I gained from looking at the photos is when I was talking to my friend the, the, the same day afterwards, and he said, were you happy that you saw them and you had this experience? And I said, you know, I think what I gained from it is that I remembered this determination I have to heal my family. And I don't know where it came, I don't know where it came from, but I've always felt this feeling like I am almost the center of the family. I'm the youngest child, um, but for some reason, I feel like I'm, I don't take this the wrong way, mom, but uh, like a leader in in my family. Like I have kind of always functioned as the role of of bringing everybody together. I've been kind of the key in between everyone's relationships that at times have been really like detached. Um, well, I, I I'll go ahead. Well, no, you go ahead. Okay, so, you know, it's funny because as a child, you process everything through your emotions. So it makes sense that you're the emotional dealer of the family because, like, you would have a stomach ache just as a that, – that was your – you always had a stomach issue if you weren't feeling right. Like, all your emotions got really processed through your stomach, and it was like – I was very aware of that. Yeah, so, I was a super emotional kid. You were super emotional and – I do think you're kind of a, a leader in the family as far as the healing. And first of all, thank you. I welcome that, and that's amazing. And I could just – that touches my heart deeply, greatly, that you are motivated to do that. And second of all, I think you're going to do it, and I think you're doing it. Yeah, and, and so – I it, think that – I also think it's going to heal my past generations also. I think there's a there's a – multi-dimensional effect to this okay go ahead yeah and so looking at the photos i was like i am not even this isn't a conscious thought but i have this strong deep-rooted heart-centered need to heal this family and a determination to do so but also i think i have realized that i have this same inclination for the communities that i'm involved in and like the community is getting larger and larger. So my friends, my family, my friend circle, the city that I live in, maybe the house that I live in, the city, the state, and then it's gonna, it goes out in these further groups of people. And I don't think they're bound like by territories now. Maybe it's like these communities of people that I find online or whatever. That there's a there's a there's a baseline level I think of trauma that everybody experiences being a human, and it comes from even entering into like the physical realm and from entering into the linguistic realm where we're like forced into expressing ourselves in this one like paradigm. And then also on top of the fact that we live in a capitalist patriarchy and everything has become institutionalized and bureaucratized. There's just this base level of, of like kind of trauma and grief that is being had amongst everyone. And I think that there is a potential with enough self-awareness and self-respect and awareness for the community and respect for it that that can be healed and I try as hard as I can to do that 
with the people that I relate to. And I try as hard as I can to incorporate that into kind of every aspect of my life. Okay, that was quite a mouthful. That was really amazing. And I want to say, first of all, you just connected the micro to the macro. So Mm -hmm. from our story of our personal family, what happened, your desire to want to be a catalyst of change or a healer, however you want to call it, and then your desire or your ability to see how that goes into community, into culture, into the world, that is really fascinating. And I want to say that I saw this developing in you back when back when you got that big thing about Jack White, when you got a crush on Jack White. <laughs> <laughs> I recall. And you were, like, obsessed with Jack White. And um, anyway, Jack White, if you're listening, she still likes your music, too. <laughs> um, and now she's a drummer because of you. Okay. Anyway. Because so, of Meg White, but continue. Because of Meg White. Okay. So where was I? So, oh, I saw you with Jack, the whole thing with Jack White. You had an idea where you wanted to, like, take his music and let that serve as a cultural agent to go share it to other parts of the world. But the point is, I think it's in your nature to want to reach out that you're like a community healer. And where the community, I'm going to redefine the community and make it one. And it can be the family. It can be your friends. It can be your school. It can be the world. It's like, let's just call that the community. And I think that you're this is part of your mission here on earth or one of your gifts that you're bringing is a healing to community. Yes. That sounds, uh, that sounds good to me. And it sounds like the things that you're interested in are the things that break that down. For example, one of the major things I think in your opinion that breaks down community is gender bias. Is that a correct statement? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest breaks that we have amongst conceptualizing everybody as like, part of this one community of human beings. I think that's the initial one that we have. A doctor assigns you a gender at birth, and then there are different classes of, like, identity that you are allowed to be in because of that. Okay, so you see that as, like, one of the most limiting factors for somebody growing up today or just for everyone that's that period? Um, I don't know if I think that's the most limiting factor, but I do feel that um, within my studies as a gender studies major, um, there is an an analysis which can be had through the the lens of gender, but there's an analysis of society and the way that we are kind of like classifying all these different people in different ways and the way that that does such violence to an individual in the way that that oh, okay. yeah. that kind of trying to classify somebody and put them in a box and even represent them in certain ways in order for their identity to be like digestible i think that's that's um kind of violent in a way abstractly. interesting you know I've, i have noticed with your generation that you guys of all people don't want to be put in a box no. and even the words that define sexuality gay, straight, bi, whatever, you guys have an aversion to those words because those are limiting. There you go again. You guys. That's a gender term. <laughs> yeah, see, it goes so I, deep I, into our interactions with everybody. Well, I mean, you guys, your generation. Sure. Okay. I'm speaking of your generation. Guys is so, a male. So do you, do you think that's true? I do think that's true, yes. Yeah. You know, and that's a, that's kind of a tough one to crack for like people of my generation. Those those kinds of labels are hardwired. It's like you're this, or especially in the in the sexuality area, you're this or you're that, and you can't be those two. 
And I think your generation is saying, you know what, don't you dare. I'm all those or none of those or I'm a whole new thing that's not even a word. And Am I correct in assuming that? Yeah, I think there's there's are, is an older generation of people who have been grown up being able to easily classify people's identities. And so you understand somebody, well, you're a woman and you're straight, and so I know who you are. And so I can kind of apply all of these different characteristics that belong to a straight married woman with children, and I can understand you to be a safe person or an unsafe person for me. And it's my generation, I feel like we're kind of understanding the complexities of human beings beyond a binary structure, the binary being male-female, but also there are so many other binaries inherent in the way that our world functions. So there's good and bad, there's cool and lame, there's like big and small. And I think even the concept in general of a binary structure of you either being one thing or another, gay or straight, is completely limiting of the potentiality for human expression and for human life. I think you're speaking to something much greater, and that's like the transcendence beyond duality, because everything you're mentioning as far as a binary system is polarization, mm-hmm. and that is a duality system. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, that's correct, and I and I think that through, I think one of the main ways this is being manifested in people waking up to is through gender. So a lot of people that um, yeah. that I spend, the circles that I'm in, I live in a co-op, I'm a gender studies major, I go to a liberal university. Um, there are a lot of people who are now seeing others identify in non-binary ways and then realizing the importance of that and realizing the power and strength that that, that, that can have and then also doing the same. And so Um, I'm just going to speak of an example of, like, the way that lots of people I know and I personally identify as a non-binary person of I don't want to be considered necessarily a a man or a woman because within that – those those terms there's a there's a class of behaviors and characteristics that I'm supposed to adopt and that people expect me to adopt. That's a pretty radical statement, Lana. Yeah, and um, and I – don't necessarily feel like I want to adopt those terms. And so, um, and I feel like a lot of other people don't either. And it's difficult, but touching back to what you're saying about, uh, you know, older generations, it's difficult for them to understand that. I think because they're having to confront these fears that they have about, uh, a, a person being, being safe or unsafe to them. So, Maybe this, like a person of an older generation, has a very limited idea of who they are and who other people are, and so any type of complexity that would that would confuse them is yeah. is scary. I think that's absolutely true. I think you're right on about that, mm-hmm. and that's so deep that they don't even know that they don't even know. Mm-hmm. It's so hardwired, embedded, however you want to call it. So. You know, maybe this is good news for our new golden age that this millennial generation is bringing this awareness. And because ultimately everything you're saying helps free and liberate an individual, which is the whole point of our existence. Or yeah. One of the major points. And everything I've said about gender applies to so many other other in so many other ways as well. So it applies to race and age and ability there and, and sanity. There are so many different ways that that. Um, kind of a deviation from norm, a norm or a status quo can kind of be violent 
to to some oh, yeah. to someone and to other people around them, and how we need to like break down these like binary boundaries of how we're understanding ourselves and everyone around us, not yeah, just you know, gender. It, it it hits home to me in the area of ageism. You know, I don't like that. <laughs> like, yes, I'm so against numbers on age. It's just like it's kind of one of my buttons, if you will. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be put in that box. I don't need a box of any certain number. Yeah, so now now you understand kind of how where I'm coming from. Now I understand, yeah, because that's my one sensitive area. Sensitive area. Um, <clears throat> so if we apply this like up to ageism, to racism, to genderism, it kind of goes across the board. And so what we're talking about is the liberation, you know, the advancement of the evolution of of us as beings as everyone shining in their god source way versus without any labels, descriptions, or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I want to do right now is, on this note of pause, um, unless you want to say anything else about the photos, I would like to kind of more interview you, kind of straight up interview you, like, what do you think, what is required uh, to create a good community? I know that's a really generic question, mm-hmm. but like, and you can apply it to the family, to the school, to the uh, community at large, but I would just like to hear some of your concepts of what do you think does make a good community? So I think a really important aspect of being able to see somebody beyond this binary structure is understanding Uh, and so a lot of people talk about love and how we need to like love one another but I think on a deeper level what's what's more important is to understand one another or at least attempt to understand another person outside of of like a construct and so I live I live in a housing co-op so there I live with 20 other people and the I moved in in January and it's currently April so I've learned so much about how to relate to people who are different to me and what I've kind of narrowed down is the most important thing is is to to understand somebody and at least attempt to understand where they're coming from because otherwise you're going to be putting up these like boundaries and walls towards other people who you don't feel like understand you and and that is going to kind of break the sense of community that's had. People are going to come out of their shells and they're going to break their their barriers and their walls if they feel like they're going to be, like, safely accepted. Okay, so when I hear your definition of understanding, I'm hearing it more like acceptance and compassion combined yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's almost like acceptance because that inherently implies compassion, like, I accept you. It's not like I'm not judging you. I'm not doing anything. I'm just yeah, non-judgment. You. It's tolerance. Tolerance. Okay, so understanding or acceptance, the second thing would be tolerance. Mm-hmm. That's different from understanding and acceptance. Yeah. <clears throat> How would you describe, what would you say about tolerance? So I think I think tolerance is a really radical act because there are irrevocably going to be going to be people and ideas that don't feel comfortable to us or that we don't understand and being able to tolerate the existence of that person or that idea that you don't understand goes so against what I think kind of like the institutionalization of a binary or the institutionalization of like attempting to put people in in boxes 
tolerating something different is is radical. So are you saying tolerance is a good thing or a bad thing? I'm saying it's a good thing. Okay. <laughs> it just got mixed up for a second there. When I heard radical act, meaning a radical act of kindness is what you're reading. Yeah, so radical is not a bad thing. I think radical is an amazing thing. Yeah, well, I was just, yeah, I just didn't know where you're going with that. So thank you for clearing that up. Okay, so tolerance, number two. What about number three? Is that number three in there? Um, you know, not right now. Not that I can think of. Okay, so those are two fundamental clues. So this would be like, I mean, I'm sure there's a list of what makes a fun and wonderful community, but fundamental what makes a healthy community is I'm hearing from you is understanding and tolerance. Mm-hmm. And those are pretty huge words right there. Yeah, let's apply that to the presidential election right now. Let's apply that to the, just on a global scale, if we had like any percentage more of that, wouldn't that just totally shift the world? Absolutely. Isn't that the basis of all wars, etc.? cetera? Mm-hmm. Intolerance, misunderstanding? Yes. Pretty much. Yeah, and I'm thinking about the way that the, in the creation of a community, I think a really important thing is is creating like individual bonds of intimacy within the people in the community and yeah. and and kind of being able to see everyone as their own individual and kind of understand and tolerate them. And then also to see the community at large in the way that it's it is a an amalgamation of all of these different individuals, not, not there's, there are all the individuals and then there's the community as an entity itself. And I think both of those need to be respected. Okay. So when you say bonds of intimacy within the community, that's my word would have been connection, but bonds of intimacy is a little bit deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. more like, it doesn't mean sexually. It just means like you let your guard down you shared an intimate moment yeah. Yeah, int- intimacy to moment is kind of a uh, intimacy is kind of a moment of tenderness. That's kind of the way Ooh. I think about it is that you're kind of comfortable enough and you feel accepted enough by another person to be tender with them. And it doesn't have to be, it's not sexual. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Uh it's this moment of just almost being able to like look into somebody's eyes, I think that's a really, really powerful moment of of intimacy. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's very beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and so, what I feel like I've just noticed myself uh, doing, I guess, within the communities that I am involved in. Um, I'm going to talk, I guess, specifically about like the the family, the family, the small family structure. So me you, my brother, and my father, um, one of the most important things that I have felt about being the emotional center of the family is, like, having kind of tenderness between all the individuals and not letting that get in the way of my relationship with the other people in this in this small community. And so, like, a complete... The relationship I have with each person in the family is it's completely its own microcosm of existence, and it has, it has its own rules, and it has its own boundaries that's different than than the fact that you're my brother, or, or, the, or it's not being bound by these rules of, like, you're my this person or my that person. There's a, like, yeah. a, a rawness to the, to, the, to the connection. I think that's really a novel idea, because... 
typically I think the human experience on that is like if like you and your father are having this intimacy, let's just call it like great connection, great communication, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Understanding each moment, other and tolerating each other. Yeah, that is not, okay, normally the brain would go like, well, wait, I'm excluded from that. I want to be a part of that. They're leaving me out. So so the breakthrough here is to not have the exclusion in there. No. But to celebrate each one. And I think this is like a really big idea that you probably already thought of this. That's why I was saying it, but it's now dawning on me like an epiphany. Like if we could all allow each other to have our own relationship with each other without the exclusion of the other, wouldn't that be amazing? Like, yes. And without threatening the other one, like, I mean, this is not moving into the idea of polyamory right here, but what I'm saying is the level of tolerance for everyone to establish their own tender, intimate connection with someone else. Once again, not a sexual thing, but without judgment and without costing anyone else emotionally. Mm-hmm. That would be a radical change of society, Lana. Yeah, and also understanding the fact that you might firsthand and topically feel left out of the the relationship, let's say, I have with dad. And there's yeah. like a jealousy, but you also have to understand the ways that I have that exact same relationship with you and that our relationship is its own microcosm where it has its own rules and its own boundaries and its own, we have our own understanding of the relationship that we have. And it's completely between you and me and, and nobody else can touch that. I think that's so amazing. I, I noticed you've been doing that with the family. And at first I was like, I would be offended that you would be like, I'm not going to talk about that with you. That's between us or whatever mm-hmm. you're you're maintaining your boundaries with <clears throat> either your dad or your brother and i was like included and i was like initially threatened and now i really get it i think that's i mean i love that idea apply universally i think it's a really important idea yeah shared intimacy without the exclusion of others or how to let everyone everyone have their own one-on-one with everyone else yeah, and then when it comes together as this community, again, when it, there's this other entity that is the community of all the amalgamation of all the individuals, there's almost like a relaxation that every person can have because you you understand where you stand with everybody. Yeah. And then y'all can, y'all can kind of um, let that have its own, you know, rules and yeah. boundaries and whatnot. Glenn, I love that. That's really beautiful. Thanks. Thank you for introducing that to our family. You're welcome. And thank you for bringing all the stuff you're bringing to our family. It's really, it's just overwhelmingly wonderful, and I appreciate, adore, and am so grateful for you and what you bring to my little family and to the world. And I know I'm looking forward to seeing great things from you, but... I'm not wrapping up, but I am getting close to that. I just wanted to stop and acknowledge you for a moment and um, and just say you're doing great work. So I, thank you, Lana. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm almost ready to conclude unless you have anything you would like to add about the subject. Because I feel like we've touched the topic of healing generations, healing community, the family being a very small community. And if yeah. there's anything else you want to add, that's now's the time to do it. Okay, yeah. I think um, another aspect of this is, like I was saying earlier, self-awareness and awareness of others around you. And so I think that something that I've done in my life is try to adopt a really perceptive eye and a really perceptive heart to what's going on with people around me. Uh, And so 
I have the ability to kind of allow for people to um, feel comfortable around me and to for even to get to that to get to that point of like intimacy that I would have with another person. And so I feel like I've kind of developed this way like within my heart to to feel what's going on with with other people. And I think that's also um, a really kind of radical idea in the sense of... Um, mm. Okay, when, when you first thought about said it, I was thinking, I would I might have put that in the category of social cues. Like, you know, when you're talking to someone mm-hmm. and you're clearly not interested and you're like hemming and hawing and they're just like not even picking up on the fact that there is the feedback loop is broken and you're not even into it one bit. Yeah. Okay. So I'm kind of putting, I, I'm seeing this as a more highly specialized version of that. Yeah. And when, when you said that you use your heart to connect, you want to share your technique on that? Cause I think that could be really valuable. I think that that exceeds the boundaries of linguistics. <laughs> ah, I don't, I wouldn't know how to put that into words if I tried. Um, but a way that I think it gets manifested is I use my heart as kind of this like instrument for perception, but then also that needs to be brought in order for there to be kind of a connection between the two people. It kind of needs to be brought, not always, but it needs to be brought into the realm of language. And so communication is another really important like aspect of if there's something that you feel like is going on or that you might even feel uncomfortable about communication is like a, a super super important thing that a lot of people are afraid of especially okay, well, especially communication about important and, and deep things i think that one that's one of the most important types but it's the one that everyone is most afraid of yeah what i'm hearing what you're talking about is completely navigating by your heart mm-hmm. which is to me a socially conscious and more very evolved way of navigating because those that know how to navigate 100% by their heart, that's where it's at. I mean, that's where I would like to see mankind going. And if everyone were operating from that, totally different world, once again, going from the micro to the macro. So I like your practice of navigating all communication, not only just life decisions, not only, you know, you can apply that to anything, but as a as a complete intimacy navigation, communication navigation. That's really beautiful. And you can't tell someone that. It's it's like turning that motor on and feeling it. You know, you have to feel that. You have to come from that place. You know, that tremendous toroidal field known as the heart, which is way bigger electromagnetically than the brain, as all research has shown. And I think that's where we're moving into. So this is kind of like the... uh, trailblazing for humanity, so to speak. And another point I want to add is that I am not perfect at this, and that I th- I think I also get trapped up what? in a lot in a lot of these different kind of like psychological patterns that I've consumed, and these like cultural patterns that I've consumed of relationships and of kind of like understanding myself. I totally trip up on them all the time, and I and I and I know that about myself, and. I think that's why self-awareness is also so important to be able to admit to yourself, oh, okay, I, I think, okay, did this yeah. again. And that, and also being willing to listen to when other people are going to call you out on it. Um, 
it's for some yeah, reason it's yeah. always it's always been really easy for me to kind of like when someone calls me out on something to be like you know what you're right I did do that and and like I feel like I have this dedication towards self-awareness because of the fact that I know that I am simultaneously like a victim and a perpetrator of all of these kind of constructs that I speak out against. Absolutely. Because basically everyone has to get beyond their story Mm -hmm. and not be triggered by that. And when you realize that we're just here evolving and the whole point of being a human is to be here to evolve and grow. And so you just welcome those things. It's, It's part of, you know, voluntarily evolving, like, oh, thank you for that. Mm, thank you for triggering that. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for showing me that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you and I do that for each other in a really big way. Yeah, we do. We do. Without triggering each other, it's like, I know I can call you out on something, and we know you can call me out on something. <laughs> and boy, do I. <laughs> And boy, do yeah. I want to give know? I want to give my friend Lloyd credit real quick. That was his an idea I got from him of being simultaneously a victim and a perpetrator. Um, I think that's yeah. that's really key. Beautiful, Lana. So on that social cue note, I wonder if our audience is getting tired because we're like forty five minutes in. We'll take a cue from anyone. Um, no, we're fifty minutes in. I've really enjoyed this hour. I'd like to have you back on my show to talk to you about your story of awakening. Yeah. And I'd like to talk about that from a micro point of view to a macro point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think we did really have a good time with that. So I want to thank everyone for listening in. I want to thank you, especially my dear, beautiful daughter who I adore, for being who you are and sharing this information with the world. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mom. I really enjoyed it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.